You are listening to the Mom and Dad Podcast. A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s. Hello. Welcome back to the Mom and Dad Podcast. This one was intense. This one, I'm really glad that we talked about this. And I think that we're going to have more episodes about this in the future. Yeah, I was worried to do an episode on this because it's like, what can we say that hasn't already been said mm-hmm. in the documentary, The Social Dilemma? Well, I think what can be said is just our personal take on it. Yeah, and I feel like there's a lot of things that I realized as we were discussing it tonight that are, that were just helpful to kind of drive home some of the points mm-hmm. from the documentary. So hopefully that has the same effect for you. Well, I... I feel like you, social media doesn't have a huge impact on you. It used to. Yeah. but Until I got rid of the apps. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now I got rid of the apps and then it's just magic. Just the addiction goes away. Yeah. Well, that's one way to do it. Just get rid of it. (laughs) That's, that's the biggest tip we can give you. If you want, if you want to rid social media of your life, delete that. Rid your life of social, yeah. But if, you are someone who enjoys social media and finds entertainment from it, finds value from it, and maybe even finds some negatives from it. This episode is for you. Yeah, I think I think this one was it turned out way more interesting to talk about than I realized it was going to be. Well, I don't I didn't realize how interested interesting it was until we watched the social dilemma yeah that is an incredible if you haven't seen it you have to watch the social dilemma it's on netflix you can probably find it other places too i feel like there can be some bias in it yeah everything's biased but i feel like they did a pretty good job of staying apolitical out of it politically yeah it was yeah it was a good documentary which is why we chose it to steer us in this discussion Mm-hmm. today we actually went on their site because we were studying for this episode and we were like okay well let's kind of just challenge some ideas that go on in the social dilemma and we literally ran into like a whole discussion that they have on their website and we're like let's just go through this yeah it's incredible like they have a ton of resources you can there's a game you can play to help yourself become more aware there's a discussion, an entire like discussion document where you can actually host discussions after viewings. They'll give you the like screening rights so you can have an event. They'll send you an event kit. If yeah, you want to do an event. Like it's they've got it all. It's really impressive. I'm I was very impressed with it. But it shows how passionate they are about really wanting this information yeah. to spread. You know, it's not like, oh, I just made a documentary and here you go. Like they really want this or they believe that this is something that is affecting people and people need to learn about it. And I think they're right. Yeah, I do too. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's, it's taken with too much um, humor or it's too lightly taken Mm -hmm. too frequently. This is a really great conversation. And if you would like to contribute to the conversation, please feel free to message us. Send us a DM, send us an email. We are always down to chat. Mm-hmm. Hence why we started a podcast. We're chatters. Lots of chatting. <laughs> um, but we really hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, take some value from it. And did you have anything else to add? No, let's get into it. Okay, let's get into it. find yourself unconsciously checking your phone during the day on my trading app (laughs) i do because i'm checking the price of my trades have you started trading a little bit here and there okay yeah other than that i've kind of gotten away from social media because i deleted my apps so do you feel like you're not checking social media because you have other things going on i think for a while there like Especially during the middle of COVID when I was first starting work and it was obviously when, when in the heat of everything that was going on, I feel like I was getting so far down the Facebook rabbit holes with all of these 
posts that people were making and then the super long threads that were coming after it. And I was just reading everything and trying to figure out like, where do I stand on all this? And that just got to a point where I just, it was so exhausting that I just had to delete my social media accounts. Like I still have the accounts. I just deleted the apps off my phone. And it was like, I woke up to a whole new world. I was just like, I don't have to, I don't have to be so involved in all of this. Like I can be a you don't have to citizen. You don't have to engage in every conversation. Yeah. You don't have to be an advocate or, you know, an, an official advocate for every cause. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I let myself off the hook that way, I was like, I, I could breathe again. But do you feel like you're doing an injustice by, I don't know, stepping away from the war? <laughs> that, and I felt like, the, like, I felt like I needed, because I feel like my involvement in social media has always been kind of like, to bring a moderate voice, like a mediator almost, to where I see my friends on the right and the left of issues that are very passionate and they make these really long or passionate posts. And I feel like my job has always been to like, or my contribution to social media has always been to bring like a, I see both of your points, you know, let's get along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, it was just so exhausting. And I, I don't know. I I didn't feel like I feel like, I felt like they were just going to sort of wear each other down and stop after a while. Like it wasn't productive at that point. It was just people that were wanting more of a certain opinion were seeing more of it and that was just fueling them to kind of battle against the other side when really there's like if you actually have a conversation with someone you generally don't you find that you agree on a lot more than you would think if you're just going off of what you see on social media. In some situations, yes. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you find yourself unconsciously checking your phone during the day? Yes. (laughs) Okay, so I feel like I have a different perspective going into this Mm -hmm. because I am trying to pursue social media. Mm -hmm. So it's not like I'm just getting on to just see what's there, you know, like I'm getting on to try and grow a following, try and grow an account. And when it's work, it just has this different idea to it to where it's like, okay, I'm getting on and I'm getting inspiration for more content that I can produce. And the issue with, with me is, and coming from this perspective with social media, you can always be producing content. Mm -hmm. You can always be doing something more because it never shuts off. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not a nine to five. Like social media is on all the time Mm -hmm. and people are constantly viewing it. So you're like, okay, well I need to get my content out there so people will see it and they'll, they'll come to my page and they'll follow, you know? Mm -hmm. So from my perspective, and yes, I do get on social media just to browse, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I mainly just get on social media when I'm just browsing. It's usually at night. I feel like during the day, it's like, okay, I'm just like looking for inspiration of things that I can do so I can just always produce a ton of content. Unconsciously, okay, so your question was, do I get on on unconsciously? I would say that I do I do open my phone and I I do browse apps. Yes, I would say yes. <laughs> I'm like trying to think how I'm thinking during the day, but I feel like when I'm actually browsing for enjoyment, that's usually at night Mm -hmm. when Remy's asleep. So what would you say to someone who looks at the content that you're putting out and says it's fueling other people's distraction or addiction to social media? Wait, can you rephrase that question? So what, what would you say, like if someone asked you the question or came, with, came to you and said that your quest to gain followers and get people's attention as a business model is fueling the distraction and addiction to social media mm-hmm. that they're having. So I think that's social media and let's just pick an app. Like say Instagram. Instagram. It's really genius 
you know, because people are trying, there are so many people who are trying to make it on social media. They just have these little soldiers and I'm one of them, you know, just Mm -hmm. keeping their app alive in this hope of making it, Mm -hmm. you know, the thing is like, I, that's a tough one because I hope to make content that people can like be satisfied with, you know, so it's not just like a bunch of fluff out there. Like they can feel inspiration because accounts that I follow that I just really love to follow they give me a sense of happiness almost like I go to them and I know I can trust them with certain information like different parenting styles or like just clothing inspiration or photo inspiration just like how they they create these beautiful photos so the thing is when you're trying to produce content the way that I am especially doing it by myself the quality of it seems to lack because I'm trying to produce so much on my own. Mm -hmm. So it is frustrating in a way because you can't grow unless you're posting 15 stories a day and one feed post a day and one IGTV a week and three reels a week. And like they have these Instagram and TikTok, they have these um, like expectations almost. If you want your account to be boosted, you have to keep up with it. I hate to say that I would be a dis- like a distraction to someone mm-hmm. rather than like inspiration or like joy, you know, f- that's coming from my content when someone views it. I guess it's just how you're phrasing it. Like, me contributing to the distraction or me contributing to like the good Mm -hmm. on social media. I hope I'm contributing goodness. Here's another question come to mind. It came to mind. Was that a lot? (laughs) No, it was good. I liked your answer. Here's another question, a follow-up question to that. How many of your followers would you say are trying to be influencers themselves from what you've seen? If I looked through my stories, like people who actually engage on my stories, I would say 1%, Mm. a very, very small amount. (laughs) It's not like I have a friend who's also trying to do social media, but like we're also friends. So I know she's not just like coming to my page to, I don't know, like we're friends. So yeah, I just think it's interesting that part of the distraction is also part of it's not so much just distraction for a lot of people where it's also trying to keep up with the game because they're mm-hmm. trying to grow their accounts and oh, yeah. the model is set up for them to need to constantly be pumping content into yeah. the platform. And so it's just like this revolving door. Anyway, it's it's interesting. What kinds of emotional, so you already kind of went into the emotional responses that you have to the content in your feed. Do you feel like there's any content that you see that is negative or affects you in like a mind numbing or unproductive way? So the, the negativity that I feel from Instagram and I actually heard something the other day that actually, that helped me with this negativity is when I see people who started after me, cause I've been doing this for like four and a half years now. It's been a long time, maybe four years. And seeing people who started not that long ago, just like growing like crazy and finding all the success when I've just been like grinding for years. That's what brings me a lot of negativity and frustration because it's frustrating when you've been working on something and you're just like passionate about it. And you're like, I just, I want to find success here, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's just not coming the way that you want it to. And then all of a sudden these people are just like blowing up out of nowhere. And it's Mm -hmm. like, are you kidding me? Like that is the most, that's basically the number one frustration and probably one of the only frustrations I get from social media. But the other day I heard, and this really helped me and it should be very obvious, but If someone else is finding success, like that doesn't diminish your own success. Like we can all find success. Mm -hmm. 
that kind of just hit me. And it was a good reminder to be like, Hey, if all these other people are finding success, that doesn't mean that I still can't like Mm -hmm. it can still happen for me. (laughs) But from someone else's perspective and something that we hear a lot about people having a negative response to social media is this idea of perfection that comes with people posting on Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Like they have to portray this life of perfection. And I think there's a big debate going on about that because people almost bully Instagrammers or bloggers to post the not so pretty parts of their life. But then in reality, like it's the blogger's choice on what they want to share with the world. And if the viewer doesn't like what they're seeing, like they have the ability to unfollow. I do see the the downside of it where like the the quote from the social dilemma webpage where it said a a five thousand person study found that higher social media use correlated with self-reported declines in mental and physical health and life satisfaction. So I I think that that has the fact that people are portraying perfection has to play into that. But if they see that it's affecting their mental health, why don't they take the responsibility to unfollow? If they feel that from the content that a person is is putting out, then why don't they just unfollow them? Like it could be as easy as that. I definitely want to dive in more into the perfection of Instagram Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. And maybe we can do that another time, but sure. But how do you feel or what emotions trigger you to hop onto social media? For me, it's always probably boredom. Yeah. I would say so too. For me. Where I just want, I, it's just a way of like, I'm always reminded of this, the lyric from Jack Johnson's song. Um, I think it's bubbly toes. One of them where it said, turn Doesn't on the- that title of that song just give you a re- weird image in your mind? It reminds me of my friend who showed me the song. It reminds me of like alien toes. It reminds me of just bubbles for toes. Yeah, like the ends <laughs> of your toes are just bubbles. Your toes themselves are just bubbles. No, not your actual, not like your full toe. Like you have the toe, but you have the tip of the toe that's just this bubble. <laughs> I'm allowed to picture like aliens. toes. Bubbles for toes. Okay, fine. You have your right. <laughs> I think it was bubbly toes, but anyway, the the. Are you sure? No, it's because now it good, sounds no, 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 funny. It's, it's where all the good people go. Where he says, "Turn on the boob tube." But I'm he in the does mood to obey. But he does have a song called Bubbly Toes. Right? He does have a song called Bubbly Toes, but that's not the song that I was thinking of. The song I was thinking of was "Where Did All the Good People Go?" Where did all the good people go? Don't don't. Uh huh. That one, and. In the there's a lyric in that song that says, "Turn on the boob tube. I'm in the mood to obey." For those that don't know, the boob tube is the television. It's a weird name for it, but it is. It might be an outdated term by now. I don't know. I think it is an outdated term. Well, it's in the, the song. The fact that you had to explain it means that I don't it's know if I had term. to explain it or not. That's what I'm saying. Like I don't know how many people under know what that term is or heard, have heard it before. He said, turn on the boob tube. I'm in the mood to obey, so lead me astray. And by the way, where do the good people go? Like, I can't see them on the TV shows. So it's basically talking about, like, good role models are kind of gone from, from media or society. Turn on the boob tube. I'm in the mood to obey. And it's just like every time, every time I go on social media, I'm, like, thinking that subconsciously, like, Jack Johnson was right. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> I'm so, and that was that was... That came out on In Between Dreams, I think, was that album, which came out in like 2005 or six. So it was a long time ago, like way before, you know, Facebook really, it was even invented. And um, so he was just, he was literally just talking about television. Like if only he could have seen the future at that moment and realized how far down the, you know, proverbial rabbit hole we would go with distraction. Yeah, I wonder Um, what year that came out. I don't know. We could look it up, but I'm assuming it's around 2005, if yeah. I remember correctly. But yeah, it's just like, I'm in the mood to obey. I think about that literally every time. And it's just so interesting to me that I, I'm, I am consciously 
or possibly slightly subconsciously aware of the fact that I just want to let my mind go on autopilot for mm-hmm. a while and have it be like passively amused. Yeah. And then the weirdest, like when I'm, when I'm scrolling through feeds, like I am not getting anything out of it most of the time. Okay. Well, you are not on TikTok. I don't, I don't even, I don't even want to start the with TikTok. things. Okay, please. The things that I have learned from TikTok, I have learned a lot of stuff. I'm not kidding. I learned how to probably properly put a garbage bag in a garbage can. Do you even know how to? Because you don't. Because I checked the last time you put a bag in and it was wrong. Okay? Seam in. No, I think people understand. The seam of the bag Uh goes inside. Not on the outside. Anyway, I'll show you the TikTok if I can find it. I but don't need to see it. I'll just, just like let you change lots, lots. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying there is a lot of good, valuable information, and the thing that I learn. But it depends on what you watch, because you have to like these, train these algorithms to show you things that are productive. Otherwise, but I know. A lot of people are watching it because these videos are viral. This bag video probably has like a million likes, which means millions of views. That's and that's great, but people spending four waking hours a day learning about things like whether to put the seam in or out on when installing a garbage bag. I, I think there's a line there where it becomes unproductive. Okay, yes, I'm, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I know spending an excessive amount of time, you know, there's, there's balance and everything, okay? Sure. So when I am learning how to grow on social media, you would say, mm-hmm. there are three categories that you want your content to be under. One of them is entertainment. One of them is value. And the other one is, wait for it, I forgot, okay? So, I'm just saying lots of people, there is a lot of value on social media. It just, there's a line when it just becomes excessive. Yes. And it's also, I feel like TikTok has done a better job at people creating more value. Or maybe I'm just not, I don't. Actually, I take that back because on Instagram, when I'm on it, the one people that I follow are generally former Navy SEALs who post pictures of their watch at 4.30 every morning. And that's it. That's all. Like That's like a, a good chunk of the content that Jocko Willink puts out is a picture of his watch at 4.30 every morning so that everyone who follows him knows that he's keeping himself accountable, which is a way of keeping them accountable to waking up early. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's, there's good stuff on every platform. But again, it's about, I think, the time and whether or not you're in control of how much time you're putting to it, mm-hmm. which is kind of the, from the social dilemma. No, that's a really, yeah, that's a really good point is if you have control over it. Because when you stop having control that is obviously the time that it gets excessive and you start putting it over other things that could be more valuable to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the study that I wanted to, to cite from the university of California, Irvine. And I I actually heard this at door to door con, which is exactly what it sounds like door to door conference for door to door sellers. And they were talking about not checking your phone while you're in between doors. So you knock on a door, person either buys or they don't. You go to the next one as you're walking to the next one. What a lot of guys do is they're just on Facebook in between doors or Instagram or whatever just to pass the time because you're alone all day and you're kind of bored and it's hot and it's unpleasant. But they said on average it takes 20, they said 26 minutes. The study from the University of California, Irvine said it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds. I don't know why they couldn't just round it down or up to 23 or 24, but it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back focused after you've become distracted. Mm-hmm. 
So if you get into the, you know, the news feed on your social media account and then you try and put it down, it's going to take you almost half an hour to refocus on what you were doing before. So even if you're only on it for like five minutes, like that could be a very costly five minutes on your, on your, yeah, on your productivity, Mm -hmm. which I don't think a lot of, and I think a lot of people are aware of, but they're kind of in denial about, because again, we're in the mood to obey. Right. And that's not even taking into account the more sort of, I guess, insidious consequences of an addiction to social media. What would you classify as an addiction? I, I, I feel like I heard a good definition of addiction recently, but I can't remember what it is or what it, what it said. But I, I guess I would classify addiction as a chronic behavior that you're not in control of. So when you lose control. Yeah, I think it's the control where you, you're not in control of the frequency or the duration of use. Mm-hmm. Because I think people, I find that people joke about addiction to social media. They joke about it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, you're so addicted to your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's actually something that can be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, and it is scary. Like, one of the studies from the Social Dilemma website, which has a ton of content, you should check it out if you have time, but there were one of the facts that they were talking about is the average person spends four hours a day on social media. Like, four hours, we're only up for, like, 12. That's a quarter of the time that... It's a third. I'm an idiot. The third of the time that we're awake. So it's just, yeah, it's... It's unbelievable to think that we spend that much time every day. I hate to say that I am disqualifying myself from that group or like giving myself a way out Mm -hmm. just because I am working on social media. Mm -hmm. So like I can't not be on social media. I think it's the balance of am I scrolling for work or am I scrolling for pleasure? And what, it, and what is it doing to you? I think that's yeah. the most important question. Like, what effect is it having on your ability to be present with your family or, you know, to be productive mm-hmm. or, you know, like to, to feel right with the world? Well, what I found is I spent like two hours a couple days ago just planning out a Google Calendar Mm-hmm. So I know exactly when I should not be on my phone and when I should be on my phone or when I'm, when I should be on my phone for work, when I should just plain out not be on my phone or when it's just like relaxation time for me. Like I can check out, I can be on my phone for pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm having issues with my Google, Google calendar, but <laughs> I feel like this is going to be really helpful to me because I have to look at my phone to see my Google calendar, but it tells me like, okay, right now is Remy and I's time. Does that make sense grammatically? Remy and my? Right now is time with Remy. Remy's and my time? I don't know. Where we sit down and we do an activity together. That's cool. I have certain days where... We go out like Tuesdays and Fridays, we go out and we do something fun for him. And then on the other days, it's I'm either running errands or like I need to get stuff done and I don't have as much time to give to him, mm-hmm. but I don't feel as guilty because I have that time set aside where it's like, okay, this is strictly Remy time. Here's the thing working, trying to be a mom and work at the same time. Like it comes with a whole set of difficulties. Mm -hmm. You feel guilty for not spending like one-on-one time with your child every waking moment, like every second they're awake, Mm -hmm. you know, because you feel like you have to dedicate, because you do, you have to dedicate time to your work. You have to dedicate time to your child and it just gets really confusing. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I found that, Blocking out my schedule to where I know what I can be doing, what I can't be doing has really helped me. I feel like that could definitely apply to focus as well, because when I am working, when Remy is asleep and I am working, I 
no, that is not the time to be scrolling through TikTok for enjoyment and entertainment. Mm -hmm. Like that is time that is dedicated to creating content or whatever it is that has helped me with my focus. So let's shift gears a little bit and start talking about now the political dilemma. Do you think it's important for everyone to have the same set of facts? No. You don't? Oh, yes. (laughs) What? (laughs) We planned these questions ahead of time. Don't put the script on me like so, that. No. I was so dedicated to that. No. Yeah, that was a really passionate answer. You and guys I was like, well, seen in rehearsal eyes. ahead of time, you were uh, quite the contrary. <laughs> so why don't I just read this quote so that we both know Get that back we're on, on the, the same, same page. page? Okay, so from the, the Social Dilemma documentary, Justin Rosenstein said, quote, You look over at the other bracket political side and you start to think how can those people be so stupid look at all of this information that i'm constantly seeing how are they not seeing that same information and the answer is they are not seeing that same information end quote so that's where the question comes from do you think it's important for everyone to have the same set of facts yes i do but why don't we okay obviously algorithm that's why but also, well, it's, I think that the thing about it is, and it's contained in the, the headings for these words. So in the mental, mental health dilemma heading section, it says, you know, platforms are designed to reward distraction and keep us hooked. And so the idea of rewarding distraction is if they can, and then pair it with this, this heading from the democracy dilemma. Uh, section from from the webpage or the discussion guide content that promotes outrage deception and conspiracy is promoted as a way to drive more engagement stronger ideological rifts make cooperation and compromise increasingly difficult and ultimately sabotage our democracy okay so if that is fact then that the algorithm pushes for conspiracy and for false information then how are they able to well i know how they're able to but they censor things Uh so if they're wanting a rise out of people then how should they be able to censor this information but not this false information it's yeah it's tough and false information is going to spread way faster than true information, which is a scary thought in and of itself. And another really, really interesting quote from, and it's an internal memo to Facebook senior executives in 2018. This is also from the Social Dilemma website um, that says, quote, our algorithms exploit the human brain's attraction to divisiveness. If left unchecked, They'll feed users more and more divisive content in an effort to gain user attention and increase time on the platform. So it's, it's not even people, really, that are... It's, the algorithm is doing this just because the algorithm is designed to increase time spent on the platform. It's almost like Skynet, like from the Terminator, where the, the machines are taking over, but they're not building their own terminators or you know war machines they're just building social media like they're building ways of keeping people trapped in these endless loops of seeing more of what they think they're resonating with and so it just pumps more and more at them and then it just slowly divides people i think that's a danger in and of itself the algorithm it feeds us what we want and it keeps us happy and it keeps us on the app longer But at the same time, like another danger in it is the information that we're consuming. Uh And when social media or the algorithm or whoever is deciding what's censored and what's not, like, I think that is another danger. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, who is doing the moderation? It is a scary thought. Who is deciding that it is false information? Uh Mm-hmm. Are they a credible source or is it Mark Zuckerberg? 
And that's that's the kind of I don't I don't think Mark I don't is, think it's specifically him. Yeah. I was just being facetious. Yeah, but that's and that's kind of the idea. I was reading an article before this about um, the the difference between misinformation and disinformation, and so the spread of disinformation campaigns has has risen quite a bit since the start of. But what does COVID. that mean? So disinformation is intentional, intentionally false. It's false information that is intentionally promoted through the rumor mill or on socials to per, to sort of sway people to one political or ideological way of thinking or another. So basically the whole strategy behind the Kardashians. Absolutely. Just say yes. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I, yeah. Okay. So but, yeah. So disinformation. But the idea behind it is that has been on the rise but it's really really hard like if if we can if we contrast that with nazi germany joseph goebbels pumping out nazi propaganda like all you know just nonstop the entire course of you know the rise of the nazi um government and then you know throughout the war like that was very easy for people to look at and be like okay that's propaganda. Like mm-hmm. that is demonstrably false information. There's no Aryan race that's superior. Like all of this stuff. Like they're not performing better than you know American or African American athletes in the Olympics. Like there's nothing. There's no science behind this. These claims. But now it's it's more difficult to weed out the true information or the innocently promoted rumors or propagated rumors that are just being pushed by people who don't really know any better from the devious, deceptive parties that are trying to use disinformation to sway people. Mm -hmm. So it's like there's these innocent rumors that that happen to be false or that happen to be misguided that are also sort of fueled by this disinformation but it's innocent people who are well-meaning who are trying to share these things. And so it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a much more complex world that we live in when it comes to disinformation. And, and that's why social media is so dangerous because it, it, again, it promotes this divisiveness, but it also is propagated or spread by innocent people who mm-hmm. also have their spheres of influ- influence where Lots of other people will trust what they say. And who you could say they mean well. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not trying to, to cause harm mm-hmm. with their information. And that's what's really scary about Instagram people. What are they called? Memes? I don't know. Sure. They're just like these, these Instagram posts that have information they're just full of information Mm -hmm. and people just spread them on their stories yeah because it sounds exactly like what they want to hear and what they assume other people should know yeah and people become very passionate when they feel like they know something that other people like they're on top of the know yeah and that's dangerous because there's no sources behind it And I was actually following or a page. Or the sources are like QAnon or... Yeah. So, okay. I was following a page called QAnon. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the information was really intriguing. Mm-hmm. It was very, very intriguing. And yeah. it, it got me hooked. Mm-hmm. Not to necessarily believe what they're saying, but to consume the information. Yeah. And the thing is, when I... If I didn't remember that it was QAnon that I had learned this information from, like if I went somewhere else and I had this conversation with somebody and it, this a topic got brought up and then I'm like, oh, I heard this one thing somewhere that mm-hmm. this happened, you know? And it's like, I don't remember where I heard that, but I think it's true, you know? Yeah, and it supports the point that is trying to be made during this particular conversation. So I'm going to share it. Mm-hmm. And then everyone just, whoever hears it, oh, they'll take it as fact. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to spread it. They're so yeah, obviously that's the rumor mill. Yeah. Yeah. So even just consuming false or just information that you don't know 
if like you just need to fact check, you mm-hmm. know, and obviously the algorithm isn't good at it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say because it's still out there. You know, you can still consume that information on social media. So the algorithm isn't necessarily kicking it all out because mm-hmm. there's not a correct source to it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just, it's the consumer's responsibility, which is us, to when we hear that information, to find out for ourselves a legitimate source of if it's true or not, mm-hmm. which can be really hard. Like, I understand when you do consume information, there's so much, you know, that it's like, okay, I've heard this one thing. Okay. I'm going to go leave Instagram now and I'm going to go research, you know, like that doesn't really sound realistic. Especially if there's a ton of different issues that you're trying to become educated on. The path of least resistance is to just let the social media algorithm continue to pump more of it to you until you just believe it. And you're like, okay, I'm sold on this. I've seen enough different sources, which is really just all of the stuff that you see on Facebook, um, to confirm it. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you need to get off of the news feed on your social media account to confirm something instead mm-hmm. of just letting it confirm it for you. Yeah, because it will. And it will. Yeah, and that's it's designed to confirm it for you so that you can become more entrenched in your side because we are tribal by nature. Like that is, people have adapted over the years to... Like it started off with individual competition and then people realized that if they formed groups, then their group could be more competitive against others, which caused others to form groups to compete against the original group and so on and so forth. And then, you know, they became, you know, feudal lords and then they became nation states and then they became nations. And, and so like it, we're, we're tribal, we're, we've always been tribal. The tribe is just getting bigger. But now the polarization is happening. It's playing off of that human desire for group or tribal sort of belonging, I think is another part of it. But then, and then coming back to like the, the censorship aspect of it, where Facebook is censoring things and people are saying that's unconstitutional. It's like the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law respecting establishment of religion or freedom of speech and so on and so forth. And so specifically talking within the context of, of context, Congress or government. And so it's not technically breaking the, the constitution or the, the, well, these are independent. They are private. What do you call them? Private entities, entities, Facebook, they can do whatever they want. Global. Yeah. And, and so they're not bound to, to, they're not bound by the First Amendment the same way that Congress is. Mm-hmm. However, I would argue that when they censor things, they're just fueling the fire even more. Because mm-hmm. then people are like, oh, did you see they took it off? That means it, it must true. be true. <laughs> so it's like this, oh, this whole idea that people spin up in their heads about conspiracies is just like you're just throwing coal on the fire when you censor it. Because now they're like, why else would they censor it if it wasn't true? It's the Illuminati. I knew it all along. Like, it's like, obviously that was, I think that was just a, it's a bad move Mm -hmm. where it's like, we should let people, we should put the onus on people to censor themselves or to, to fact check. And so I, yeah, I just think it comes back to like individual responsibility for figuring things out and don't let don't make facebook be the ones to set up moderators and things because it just fuels it you think that sensory should not happen censorship censorship should not happen on social media i don't think i don't think it's helping no but then again like if you're letting things that are really harmful messages but the things that are being censored could be very harmful yeah, and that's the, it's a double-edged sword. But at the end of the day, like you said, not all of it gets censored. Like stuff slips through. But here's the thing, like COVID, for example, mm-hmm. when all of that stuff was coming out about doctors coming out and saying, "Hey, COVID is not that big of a deal," mm-hmm. um, that was censored. The video yeah. of those doctor doctors were censored, and these are doctors. Mm-hmm. 
telling this information. So how does that not seem credible to somebody? Yeah, and it's like the the thing I watched some of the videos and the things that they were saying some of it seemed a little far-fetched, some of it seemed fairly sound. But it's like yeah, they're they're not saying something that I mean, we just don't know enough about COVID for in my opinion for Facebook to just well, take it down. We don't know enough about the medical field. Like that's just not our professional expertise. Yeah. You know, so anything that comes at us from a doctor mm-hmm. and and maybe people I don't know, you just don't want to take everything you hear as fact, but Yeah, I've heard lots multiple of, lots of people would just hear it from a doctor and be like, Oh well, just how they take advice from their own doctor, you yeah. know? I've heard multiple like med medical school students or um people in medicine, nurses, pharmacists, things like that, that say people put too much trust in doctors just because they're doctors. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I well, think that's a just, whole other conversation. In itself. But yeah, just just because <laughs> those people were wearing, you know, white lab coats and they were, you know, speaking as a united front. It's like, yeah, maybe there's something to what they're saying and maybe some of their points are valid. Should we have censored them? I don't think so. Because one, it's just going to fuel the fire. And two, I don't think we know enough about COVID to say that everything about that those doctors were saying is harmful. Where, it, But, you know, it's, it, I don't know. Maybe As I you just talk don't. about it, it's just like, mm, I, maybe not. Uh. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to take a stance on it because you don't really know if they're all just full of it, or they just are, they have no idea what they're talking about. I don't think any of them are epidemiologists. And every epidemiologist that I've read an article about is like, okay, wear your masks. Like it's, or, you know, stay six feet apart. Like all of these things that were, they're saying COVID is very, very serious. And so it's like, I, I have trouble listening to someone just say, it's, it's nothing. It's nothing. Don't worry about it at all. It's like, okay. Maybe we should worry about it a little bit. So, I but don't know. you also go to resources or sources that are correct that are also written by doctors. Yeah, but doctors that specialize in, in that specific contagion thing. and disease and virality and all of all of that. Okay. So yeah, I think that's. <sighs> I think that might be a good distingu- dis- distinction. Distinguisher distinction to make. Um, it's like what type of doctor is saying these things. I, well, that's going to be a whole new subject in school. But and, How and to distinguish a proper... Wait, maybe we probably should have learned this already. How to find like a credible source. But yeah, and that's... And, and again, it comes back to... And I think this is going to be kind of the moral of the conversation. Like, it comes back to individual responsibility for... Like, if you don't know... Like, we... I think we revealed to ourselves as a global community that maybe we don't know how to fact check things as efficiently or effectively as we thought we did. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we, maybe just because someone's a doctor doesn't mean that we should put full faith in them. Maybe we should check what type of doctor they are and if they're really qualified to make the claims that they're making. Well, I would say the moral of this podcast is we need to take responsibility for ourselves. Yes, and and what we consume. In what we consume, how we consume it, we have to take responsibility. It's no one else's fault if we are believing, if we're believing something that isn't credible or if we're believing perfectionism on Instagram when we can take responsibility and unfollow Mm -hmm. or just solely solely believe that no one's life is perfect. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like we just have to take responsibility. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect segue into today's challenge. Mm-hmm. So we will post the, the link to the social dilemma webpage in here. It is chock full of different ways that you can get involved. You can get the discussion guide. You can even, they even have a game for you to kind of, elaborate on some of the ideas that we've talked about here. Um, But one of the things that they have is how to reboot your screen time or reclaim your screen time. 
And so this is, it's three tips from Tim Kendall, who was um, one of the former, uh, I guess, execs. I think he was from Facebook. I think he was in charge of monetization on Facebook. He essentially, his, uh, his three tips for sort of reclaiming your screen time or taking back control if you feel like you're addicted to social media. And this is our challenge to you. One, understand your usage. So he actually has an app that you can install um, called Moment App, or you can use the built-in screen time app on you know, your, your device. Um, but he basically is, talks about checking, basically to understand your usage, you need to really track how much time you spend because people are generally not aware of how much time they're spending on social media. Second one, turn off your notifications. And I actually have, I don't have any notifications for my Instagram. I have notifications if I get a message or if I get a comment. But if I like likes and all of this, the unnecessary notifications, I don't get. So that's kind of social media's tactic to get you back on the app is to notify you, hey, this person posted on their stories. Like, I don't care, you know, so turn off your notifications. It's not helping you. Yeah, and I think that's so interesting. The number, the average number of push notifications someone receives a day is 63. That's yeah, nuts. Some, the 63 for the average person who doesn't have their notifications, who does have their notifications on. Yeah. I don't get that many. That's a ton. That is a lot. Let's think about the focus stat that we shared earlier. Take you 20, 23 minutes to refocus after you become distracted and you get 63 distractions, mm-hmm. unnecessary distractions every day. Yeah, turn, turn those off. Yeah. Um, next one is create limits. So, for example, don't get on your phone in the morning. Mm-hmm. Really hard one, but don't do it. Don't get on it at night. Mm-hmm. Hard one as well. Um, set time in your day where just no phone is allowed, maybe dinner time or lunchtime or breakfast or whatever. Set your own limits, whatever you feel like works for you realistically. Something that I am trying to do, I actually ordered an alarm clock, like an actual alarm clock that I can put by my bed and I hope to start charging my phone outside of our room so I'm not distracted at night. Unfortunately, the alarm clock that I got, the alarm is so obnoxious and I am not waking up to that. So I'm going to need to find another better. Cl- I'm going to have to find a better clock. But that's another tip if that's something you want to do as well. Um, so those are three things that we want you to do. I'm going to say them again. First one, understand how you're using social media, shut off notifications and create limits. Okay, so those are the three. Feel free to do one. Feel free to do all of them. Um, they, I think they'll all be helpful and useful in your day-to-day. So, yeah. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. 